Good morning. You ready to raise a hallelujah? Please stand and worship with us. Yeah. 
Lord. We serve a mighty and gracious King. Amen. He meets all our needs. Meets us right where we are. He bathes us in His forgiveness and His mercy. So 
forgiveness good? So sweet. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God.
things you've done before in greater measure you will do again cause there's no present wall you can't break through no mountain you can't move all things are possible there's no broken body you can't raise no soul that you can't save all are possible the darkest night you can light it up you would you bring hope where there's doubt would you bring faith where there's sickness would you bring healing in Jesus name where there's weariness would you give strength you give strength to the weary God we just lift up your name high today that's the heart of revival that's the core of revival is to lift up your holy name Stronghold will crumble. I knew the chains hit the ground. Oh God of revival, pour it out. Pour it out. Come awaken your people. Come awaken the city. Oh God of revival, pour it out. Pour it out. Every stronghold will crumble. Oh God of revival, pour it out, pour it 
can be seated. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, we are so grateful for the privilege of worship, but not just passive worship. Father, you put us in a place of action and activity that even the very word waiting upon the Lord means to minister to you, and that is our heart today. We're not here to swing in a hammock on a warm summer day with a glass of sweet tea. We are here as soldiers. We're here as sons. We're here as daughters. We're here as those who are called to advance the kingdom in our time. Father, we don't do that by gritting our teeth. We do it, Lord, through submission to your will, to your way, to your timing. And so, Father, we put our hearts out before you. Lord, we raise up an outcry to you, Lord. We cry out against injustice. We cry out against corruption. We cry out against fake news and lies. We cry toward, toward advancement of the kingdom of God. And that you are the God of revival. You're the one who lifts us above the fray. That we can get our heads above the water. That we may think clearly. We may think with wisdom, Lord. And we may act as such. Not react, but to respond well. To what's happening in our culture and to respond well to what you call us and ask us to do. So, Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, your power, your strength, your ability, your favor, your authority to do what we cannot in and of ourselves do. And as sons and daughters, Lord, we step up. We don't stand up, we just stand, but we step forward. While the culture bows, we stand. We honor you and bless you in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Woohoo! Amen. Good to see everybody. Good to see you face to face. Good to be together and to celebrate Jesus and to literally walk as though, I mean, it's almost like you guys are placing faith over fear. I don't know. It just seems that way to me. So I'm so glad that you're here and that we get to celebrate together. We had a wonderful time in our first service. And uh, God is on the move. Aslan is on the move, so to speak. You know, and we know that Jesus is the lamb, right? But we also know he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen? And so I just love to see when Jesus is on the move and advancing. And I want to go with him, don't you? My name is Jimmy Pruitt. I'm the lead pastor here at the bridge. I want to welcome you and thank you for being with us. If this is your first time, we're thrilled that you're here. And if you're watching online, thank you for joining us this morning. And you are no less a part of what's happening here, even if you are in your pajamas and you've got your cat in your lap. We love you. And we're glad that you're here with us, even online. And we want you to sing along, participate, celebrate, pray with us, agree with us. And wherever you are, do let us know where you are. If you're on Facebook, just go ahead and Click on let us know where you're from and where you're listening from or watching from. And uh, we want to celebrate what God's doing in your sphere of influence, where you live, where you work, and where you play. And so uh, if you have any prayer requests, by the way, online, feel free to write in at bridge or at info at bridgefbg.com. We want to take your prayer requests and encourage you in any way we can. And if, you, if you're with us for the first time, you have any questions or need anything, you can write that write at that same email address, info at and let us know. We'll be glad to reach back out to you and encourage you. And for those of you that are here, if you're a first-time guest, first of all, welcome to the bridge. Can we welcome our first-time guest with a hand clap? <laughs> Thrilled that you're here. 
do help us out with one thing. We'd love to know who you are, where you're from, and whatnot. And so as you go out the doors there, there's a Connect Center, and you can see some cards laying there. There's an opportunity to write in a prayer request on a prayer card, or you can give us contact info, and we'll reach out to you and encourage you. If you have any questions about the bridge, we want to be here to answer and share our heart with you. So speaking of the bridge and what's coming up, Bridge Life Membership Lunch is coming up on August the 16th. I've had a lot of people during this season ask, about how do we join? How do we, you know, it's, it's, it's a pandemic. What do we do now? We keep doing what we're doing. We put one foot in front of the other every day. We continue to love Jesus, love one another, and we leak out life where we live, work, and play, and we be Jesus wherever God puts us. Amen? But we want to equip you and encourage you to do that. So August 16th, it'll be right after the second service. Do let us know you're coming. You can sign up at the Connect Center outside. Or you can go online and register with us as well. We need to know how many are coming because we're going to prepare lunch for you or if child care is needed. So again, thank you. And we love to pray here at the bridge. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to spend some time praying for all the other churches in our community. Those of you that are online, pray for the churches in your community. You should always be known and we should always be known as everyone's fan, everyone's cheerleader. Amen. We're not here to hold up a sign and protest what we don't agree with. We're going to hold up a sign and say, we love you in the name of Jesus, and there's nothing you can do about it. So we're going to love people with everything we have. So we want to be the biggest cheerleader of every church in our town, every church in our community, and in our surrounding area. So would you join me in praying as every pastor and team and leadership team is trying to figure this whole thing out just like all of us. Amen? So let's be in agreement together. Father. We just sang the song, You're the God of Revival. And I'm asking, I'm asking on behalf of every church in our community, in the surrounding communities, our county and surrounding area, in the region of the Texas Hill Country. And for those that are online, I'm in agreement with them for their community. That, Lord, you would pour out revival. That you would release a breath of fresh wind and fresh air. And, Lord, pour out fresh oil upon us, Lord. And that in the spirit of Ezekiel chapter 37, that dry bones would come together and there would be a rattle that is unmistakable. The rattle of life, death to life, asleep to awake. So Lord, would you pour out your presence and your spirit upon every church, even if they're still not meeting, even if they're still having to do it online, and even if they've not quite taken the step, God, I'm asking you to release grace upon grace and greater measures of grace upon them and encourage them. And I'm asking, Father, this is my ask as a son to a good father. God, I pray you would light every pulpit on fire with the gospel of Jesus Christ in our community. Every pulpit would burn with fire, burn with a fire, passion, gospel in the kingdom. And there would be an advancement and dominion mentality in our time. We would advance the kingdom. Father, I pray. I pray. I know everyone's trying to navigate this. So I ask for greater and greater grace to be released we love you. We call forth revival in the name of Jesus. We call those things that be not as though they are. Because we know it's your heart to see the church awaken alive in this time. We love you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen and amen. Every week here at the bridge, we celebrate communion. What communion is to us and for us is our opportunity to press pause on the drama of life. Is there any drama going on in our world right now? Anybody noticed? Anybody noticed? So as we try to traverse this thing and navigate all this stuff, there comes moments where you just need to sit back and just say, wait a minute, I need to stop and recalibrate the scale. My granny, 
and we had one when I was a kid. You remember those scales that sat in the bathroom? They had that rusty metal thing on the bottom of them that you would calibrate the scale, you know, because they were never right, ever. You know, it'd be like minus four pounds, a plus, you know. So you could calibrate that thing to zero. And sometimes we just need a reset in our lives. And that's really what communion is for us. It's resetting. It's recalibrating. And to do what Jesus asks us to do, and he asks us to remember him. And I'm thankful that we do it on a weekly basis. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Now, somebody played a little trick on me. I'm not sure where this came from. I made a comment about how interesting it is to open our, our uh, containers sometimes, that it was like cracking the uh, ketchup at Chick-fil-A. So someone put one of these up here. So thank you for whoever did that. <laughs> Point taken. So I want to encourage you to do something as we get started here. Would you go ahead and just go ahead and open yours and peel the top layer first, the clear layer. Trust me on this. Aaron had a mishap with a red one in a white Easter dress one time. So see, point and take, point taken there. So we want to get to our neighbors, not like that, right? You want to launch juice on them. So go ahead and get that ready as we, as we talk about this. Communion to me, in the, the moment that Jesus was with his disciples is one of my favorite moments in the Bible. Because you have to know, it wasn't just some heavy, solemn moment initially. They were together, and they were actually, it was at the peak of his popularity, the peak of his greatness, the peak of his mystery. They had walked with him for three years, and suddenly they're sitting together, not sitting, they're reclining together, because they didn't sit in the first century. They actually reclined around the table, and the table was just a couple of feet off the ground. So they reclined at the table all the way around. So you picture these guys, all of them around this large table, feast of food, and they're sitting there reclining at the table, eating together and enjoying it was at that moment that Jesus was like, they have no idea what's about to happen. For their lives, for a moment, the wheels are about to fall off. Can you imagine being one of those disciples excited? I saw Jesus. Man, did you see Lazarus come hopping out of that grave in his grave clothes? Man, scared us all. It was crazy. And can you, can you remember when Jesus touched the leper and his skin went white as snow right in front of us? Oh, oh you remember that time? That Jesus healed that lame person, that, that person. And, and that lame person tackled him and they rolled in the dirt together in joy. Can you imagine? You remember that time Jesus picked up those kids and shut everybody up, including us, and said, said this bid, you know, let the kids come to me. Let the children come. Just quit, don't stop them. You remember when blind Bartimaeus, when Bart was on the side of the road, screaming out with everything he had. You remember that? You can imagine them retelling the tales rekindling their faith around the dinner table, much like we do around the dinner table. And in that moment, Jesus has to do something hard. He has to out the one that's going to betray him. And he outed him, Judas. And Judas was revealed as the one that was going to betray. And I imagine the mood changed pretty drastically in that moment. And in that very somber, at that moment, Jesus who doesn't kick him out, by the way, lets him stay at the table. He, he takes some bread, and the Bible says he broke it. Well, you can't break plain white bread, can you? You can just tear it. But they had matzah bread, which was a, an unleavened bread, like a cracker, more like. And he took it, and he broke it. And then he prayed over it. He said, Father, this is my body broken for you. And bless it. Bless it for what's about to happen. Lord, we're thankful for the body, the broken body of Jesus. 
We take this to remember. Take the bread. Then he took up a goblet of wine. He held it before him. He said, this is my blood. It's the blood of the new covenant. It's being poured out and spilled for you. And it's going to cover and for, for the forgiveness of many sins. For the forgiveness of many. And he took that goblet. He held it up and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. And then he reminded them to do it in remembrance of him. That you should always stop to remember. So that's what we're doing today. Father, we're thankful. Jesus, we're thankful. Holy Spirit, we're thankful. We're a grateful people, even in the midst of weirdness in our culture, in our world. We refuse to live below the line, but to rest in you and live above the fray. And as we do, we're thankful. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood spilled out for us. You can take the cup. In this same context of worship, one of the things we love to do is to practice generosity. And I want to invite you to prepare your offering. If you brought your offering today, then I want you to know we have boxes on every door, on both sides of those doors. Those are boxes. We don't pass the plate here at the bridge, but we ask you during this next song, while we're worshiping, while we're singing, while we're engaging Him, that you take your offering, you walk it over to the box. Many of you give online. That's great. Thank you. But take your offering. I'm going to ask you to do something. I do this every time. Would you bless it before you put it in there? You know, this isn't the Shriners. This isn't the, this isn't the Moose Lodge. I mean, we're here to give, to sow. And we don't give to the church. We give through the church. So I want to invite you to do that today during the context of worship. You can go and take it over there while we're singing. Just get up and go. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We sing, we play, and we worship an audience of one. We bless you and thank you for your greatness, your goodness, your mercy. And Father, thank you for the generosity of the saints. We are so blessed here at the bridge with generous people. Father, today as I give, encourage them that what they're doing matters and it makes a difference. We honor you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand worship. Darkness tries to roll over my bones, and sorrow comes to steal the joy I own. When brokenness and pain is all I know. I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. Sing, my fear doesn't. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. captive to the lies. That's it. We got authority. 
seated, would you? Amen. You're dismissed. That's a good message right there. <laughs> wow. That's strong. When I was a young believer in Christ, I remember just when I came to faith, I was so on fire. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anyone ever come to Christ and maybe a little later in life and it was like something was alive in you? Anybody here? Any wild ones here? <laughs> Any wild Man, I was so excited because I came to faith at about 18, 19, right in that, that time period. And it was radical for me. It was a big, big life change for me. And I was so grateful. And interesting enough, when I came to faith in Christ, there was this surge of authority, this surge of strength. It was like I intuitively, internally knew that God was with me and I had nothing to fear. But then I grew up. <laughs> Started going to church. And it was all new to me. I had never been. And I remember Sunday after Sunday sitting in church wondering, why aren't these people excited? You know, am I weird? Why, why am I like wanting to go charge the gates of hell with a super soaker and, and no one's excited? And it was a mind blower for me as a 19-year-old young man to go to church and go, we're singing. Did you, mind you, we were singing hymns with an organ and a piano that was sometimes in tune. But I would read the words. No, wait. We didn't have a screen then. I would read the words in the Broadman hymnal, and I would go, these words are powerful. And maybe the tune didn't really do much for me. I wasn't raised in church. I was a rocker from the beginning. Duh. And so, but I remember just going, the words are powerful. Why aren't we excited? And I remember talking to our pastors, poor things. Man, I was that kid that was always like, Pastor Kim, Pastor Kim. He was a guy, by the way. Pastor Kim, Kim Norwood. Why aren't people excited? He's like, well, Jimmy, you got to understand, a lot of these people have been in church all their life. And I'm like, so? Never made sense to me. Never made sense. And so I was always that hard-charging young man who all through my 20s, 30s, 40s, oh, I'm getting old, 50s now. I'm still that hard-charging man. Now, I may, I may have toned it down just a notch, but only so you can tolerate me. That's the only reason. There's a strategy. I'm trying to leak out, not freak you out. You know what I mean? But you have to understand, 24-7, my heart is given to the gospel. It's given to Jesus. It's given to the kingdom. And my question is this, why aren't we all like that? Yeah. What happened to you after coming to know Christ that caused you to back off, to take the pedal off the metal. I'm not saying you got to run a thousand percent all the time. That's not even humanly possible and shouldn't even be expected. But what happened? Because you used to be excited. You used to be on fire. You used to want to go share the gospel. You used to want to worship. You used to want to be on the worship team. You used to want everything. What happened? Well, for me, I just sort of, there's a principle. If you want to fly or soar like an eagle, you need to get eagles around you. But if you want to be on the ground pecking pebbles like a turkey, just hang out with turkeys. Because who you align yourself with is going to dictate how you eventually outflow and live out your life. So I learned a principle from sports. I played sports from the time seven years old. I was in peewees throwing a baseball. And I played sports all my life. So I, I played football. That rolled into basketball. That rolled into track and tennis at the same time. I did both. 
And then that rolled right into spring training, which rolled into baseball for the summer, which then rolled into two-a-days in August. August in West Texas, two-a-days, that was like hell on earth, I'm not going to lie. It was like brutal. And then that rolled right into football. And I mean, that was my entire existence all through elementary, junior high, high school. And so I grew up with this mentality of learning something about sports. If I wanted to improve my game, whatever I was playing, I had to get around people that were better than me. I had to get around people who knew the game better than me, played the game better than me, were bigger than me, stronger than me, faster than me, thought better than me, understood the dynamics of the game better than me. And you know what would happen as I got around them? It would elevate my game. Guess what? Here I am, a new Christian. And I'm finding myself, after several months being in a church and starting to feel my flame go out and the fire die down. Why? Because I'd surrounded myself with people who were not on fire. You know, you can take a lump of coal, and you've probably heard this before, but remember when we cooked with charcoal? Does anybody do that anymore? I don't. I just turn on the gas, and here we go. But, uh, but remember, I grew up, and my dad, and he was like, would craft a fire on coals. I mean, it was like an art form for him. Every Sunday, he would cook out. And he'd take that grill, and he would stack them into this pyramid. And then he'd score, you know, score it a gallon of lighter fluid. That was my favorite part. He'd score it lighter fluid on it and then toss a match, you know, it'd go up. And it was awesome. But what I would notice is he wouldn't, like, put the stakes on while it was still flaming. He'd let the fire die down. And what would happen is that entire mound would glow red with heat and white with heat. You could see a little flame coming off. Man, you put your hand over that, and it's like, whoa. But what would happen, inevitably, is that one would fall off the pile. And you know what would happen in just a few moments? It would go out. And all he would have to do, he had these big tongs. You know, I mean, he had tools and everything. He was the end of his grilling. He would take this, these tongs. He'd set that coal back up on top of the pile. You know what would happen? Almost instantly, it would come back to a glow or a white-hot heat. And that's what I found for me as a follower of Jesus I had to surround myself with people who were hot, who were on fire, who emanated passion. Or I could surround myself and settle for those who weren't. And I tended to become like the people I surrounded myself with. So, bless your little old hearts, as we say in Texas in the South. You got me. I'm hot. And I surround myself with people who are hot. Because I believe we are supposed to burn with the fire of gospel. Amen. Now listen, there are seasons, ebb and flow, life happens, that's just a reality. There's times when you're hotter than others, times when you ebb, times when you flow. But here's the deal, at the end of the day, there comes a time where you need to be ready to be hot and ready to burn. And I believe we are in that time now. My friend Paul Blizzard, when I was in college at Howard Payne University, Paul was a fourth generation Jehovah's Witness. Cool. Then he got saved. He got born again. He accepted Christ as his Savior. And his whole world flipped. His family completely shunned him. That's what they do. You're ostracized. They excommunicated him from the church. And so he was completely on his own. But he was so in love with Jesus that he didn't let it stop him. I'm not saying he didn't care. He just didn't let that stop him from his pursuit of the one who saved his life. 
and his wife got radically born again. And when Paul came to college, to a Southern Baptist college to study, that dude was scary on fire. He didn't know what it was. You see, you have to understand what he was saved from. He understood as a young adult that he had been saved from hell. He'd been saved from an eternity separated from God. He understood that. Some of us need to remember that and rekindle the fire in our own hearts. And so he came to school. He was scary on fire. First time I saw Paul Blizzard, he was walking around our city with a big old wooden cross on his shoulder, Arthur Blessed style. And I'm like, dude, that guy is either crazy or in love with Jesus or both. And I remember he was the guy walking around town. And then I'd get the story, oh, he used to be Jehovah's Witness. Now he's on fire for Jesus. And he feels like God told him to carry a cross. I asked him one time, I said, Paul, why do you carry a cross around? He goes, God told me. I'm like, okay, good enough for me. So Paul was that radical guy. So he comes to school, and he's the guy. This is what I loved about Paul. He's the guy that would go out and take gospel tracts and put them on the Bible professor's cars on their windshield because he didn't think they were all saved. <laughs> he was radical. And they would laugh about it. they go, oh, Paul, Paul just struck again. I mean, it, it was just funny. And, and, he, he's, and they loved him because of his fire and his passion. And for over the last 10 years, Paul and Pat Blizzard have spent the last decade in Vietnam on the mission field loving orphans to Jesus and spilling out that fire on another continent. See, when you surround yourself with people who are on fire, even if your fire has dimmed, you'll come back to life. And it doesn't take as long as you think. Because every one of you who are born again, God put a fire in your heart. And it's still there. Sometimes it just needs the wind of the Spirit to blow back on it. And so what I want to talk to you today about today, I want you to put the title slide up. We've been in this series called What is Needed Now? Just trying to sort of say, okay, we're in this crazy time right now. What's needed now? We've gone all, just a gamut on themes. But today I want to talk to you about something I think that is critical in this hour. And it is receiving and walking in your authority as a follower of Jesus. See, all of us are like, oh, I got saved. I'm going to go to heaven. That's awesome. But most of us don't understand that's not a defensive posture in the world. You have actually been given an active, offensive posture, and that is this. You can even go back to the beginning and say, oh, in Deuteronomy it says this. You're the head and not the tail. You're above only and not beneath. You're blessed coming in and blessed going out. Even in that same passage, it says as the enemy approaches you one way, he has to flee seven ways. I mean, you're like a, you just scatter the enemy just by showing up. That is your inheritance. That is who you are as a follower. That's just the beginning. Listen to this out of Genesis chapter 1. This won't be on the screen, but I want you to hear this. I added this. Then God said, listen to this, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Got to wonder who our is. The heavenly host, there was a lot more than the Holy Spirit and Jesus at the time. That's a whole other thing. Let them have, listen to this word, dominion. So what I want to talk to you about today is a dominion mindset. A dominion mentality. And some of you, depending on your tradition and where you've come from, and what I love about the bridge is the variety of theological perspectives that we have meeting under one roof. And for those of you who listen at home, same thing. I want you to understand, you may hear something new today. You may hear something fresh today, or maybe a perspective you haven't considered yet. And that is this. You are not called, my friends, 
brothers and sisters, you were not called by God to just wait it out until you cross you over go. Beulah Land, cross over the river. You're actually called to do this. We are called to occupy until he returns. Let me say that again. We are called to occupy until he returns. And there is nothing passive about that. If you thought getting saved is getting your fire insurance policy from hell and you get your ticket into heaven, oh, I'm going to be on the gospel train and here's my ticket. Let me tell you something. You have something to do. Jesus, we're even called in the scripture, not only co-heirs, but co-laborers with Christ. Yeah, Jesus on the cross, tetelestai. This is how much I believe it. I inked my arm with it. Tetelestai, it is finished. But that doesn't mean he's done in you. He finished his assignment. But we still have stuff to do. We still get to do the work of the kingdom. And it is a joy. Man, work. The work of the gospel has received a bad rap. Yeah, we don't want to talk about work. That's works. Works mentality. Works theology. Wait a minute. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater theologically. We have something to do. He's empowered you. He's equipped you. He's anointed you. He's appointed you, you to go and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of the kingdom, where you live, where you work, and where you play. Is anybody more excited than Curtis Allercamp right now? Yeah. He gets it. And Sarah. And Jeff. And me. Listen to this. I love the scripture here. He says, so let them have dominion. This is initial. By the way, that didn't go away with the fall. See, we have this mentality of, well, that was, you know, pre-fall and then after the fall, everything changed. But your DNA didn't change. That's right. The imago Dei, the image of God of who you are in him did not change. The DNA is the same. And this is a DNA piece. This has nothing to do with the fall. So do not write this off because of the fall. So here's what it says. Pre-fall. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. You have authority over every creep that comes into your life. You have authority. You've been given authority. Dominion. Listen to this. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. See, he did what he said he was going to do. I'm going to do this, host. Now watch this. So he did it. He created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female. That's a whole other subject right there. You do know their name was Adam. Okay, that's another topic for another time. He created them. Verse 28. Then God blessed them. He blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Subdue it. It means to put under. Have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You have been given in your very spiritual and godly DNA, the Imago Dei in Latin. The image of God in your DNA is a dominion mindset. That's why you find yourself wanting to lead out times. Well, I want to step up at times, and then you go, oh, wait, I can't do that. Oh, wait, wait. And we, we fight it. We fight what God put in us. And it is to step up. It is to stand up. It is to stand out. God put that there. Don't dumb down the gift that God has put in you to lead out. Listen to this. I want to call this out in you prophetically. 1 Timothy 1.18. This charge I commit to you, son. Now we're talking about this idea of having authority, which means there's a fight to be fought, a war to be waged. Listen to this. He says this. According to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them, listen, 
you may wage the good warfare. Why? Why would Paul tell him that he is to wage the good warfare if there wasn't a warfare to wage? That's right. Listen to the next verse. 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Wage the good warfare and fight the good fight. Does that tell you there may be resistance to what we're doing? That there may be a resistor to what we're doing? Listen to this. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called. I've confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now, I'm going to start with number one here as the points as we lead into this. So I want you to look at the screen. We are seated with him in high authority. This is a critical piece. This was a game changer for me early on in my faith. Because I began to surround myself with strong people. I began to learn and understand why they understood their strength. Their strength wasn't because they were personally strong. This has nothing to do with self-confidence. This has everything to do with Christ's confidence. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But it's also Christ through you, the hope of glory. In and through. And they understood that. And because they understood that, they walked with confidence. Not because they had it all together. Not because they behaved perfectly and had a perfect life and a perfect family and a perfect job. It's because they understood their position in Christ. So when we understand our position, our identity, who we are, whose we are, we can walk with confidence even on the worst stinking day. Listen to this. We are seated with him in high authority. Ephesians chapter 2, 4 through 6. And I've unpacked this before, so I'm going to go quickly. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. You know what the word grace means? i got to unpack that real quick. It means God's power, God's strength, God's ability, God's favor, and God's authority to do what you cannot in and of yourself do. Grace is anything but passive. It's anything but passive. Jesus was full of grace and truth. You think that was passive? You know, he was the lamb, right? Uh, but he was also the lion of the tribe of Judah. Remember? He's the dude who walked in, turned over all the money changers, you know, drove them out of the... Was that passive? Mm. Sometimes we give Jesus a bad feminine rap. We just do. We, we paint him as this soft... You know, he was a carpenter, by the way. By trade, that was hard labor. He had to have big arms. I believe it. Lord's Jim, you seen those t-shirts? I'm thinking that's more accurate than what we've painted sometimes. All right, I digress. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love which he loves, verse 5, even when we are dead, made us alive by grace you've been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All of that is past tense, family. It's all past tense. We're already raised up with him and seated in him in heavenly places. Uh, some of you are going, well, okay, so, so, wait, you got to understand where you are. You're not subjugated to the outer courts. You're not on the outside looking in. You're not like Wimpy hoping for a hamburger on Tuesday, looking in the glass. I'm hoping, oh, I wish I had. No, no, you're on the inside. You're, you're like Popeye, just wolfing it down and joining. I mean, you are literally on the inside. You have been seated in Christ where? Help me. Heavenly, Heavenly places. 
Now, what does that mean? There's got to be more to this, right? Okay, there is. Ephesians 1.19, Paul's prayer. As he's praying over the Ephesian believers, this is a circular letter, so it went all over. Look what he says. He, in the middle of his prayer, he says this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, and look at, listen to this, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. I want to pause here. So where are we seated? In Christ. Where? In heavenly places, right? Where's Jesus seated? At the right hand of the Father. You know what the right hand of the King is? It's the place of authority and favor. If you're at the right hand of the King, you're in the place of authority. You're in the place of favor. You're number two in command. You're like the governor over everything. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Where are we seated? Oh, some of you are still going a little slow on the, on the draw today. Listen to this. Say, I am, I am. Seated, seated in Christ, in, Christ. in, heavenly, places, in heavenly places, at the right hand of the Father. Let that settle in just for a minute. Can we just put that on simmer for a moment? Turn in the fire down. Let that simmer for a second. You are seated in Christ, in heavenly places, at the right hand of the Father, the place of favor and authority. This goes right back and harkens back to Genesis 128, 126. You have been given dominion. Amen. And he's replacing us. After the fall, he's restoring our position. You have been restored, renewed, redeemed, and now you are in the place of authority and favor. That's why grace is God's power, strength, authority, favor. It's all of those things to do what you cannot in and of yourself do. Why? Because you're sitting at the right hand of the Father in Christ. Now, it just gets gooder and gooder. Are you ready for that with some bad grammar? Listen to this. Verse 21. Remember, you're in Christ, and here's where Christ is. And if you're in Christ, this is where you are. Say, I am here. here. Remember the little maps at the mall? I am, you are here. You are here. Verse 21. This is where Christ is. This is where you are. Far above. Someone say, far above. above. Just repeat this. I am am far above. Now, we're going to talk about what are we far above. It's this right here. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. What? When this dropped for me, it changed my life. I walked different. I talked different. I prayed different. I moved from always praying in a in a spirit of appeal to a place of declaration. Because when you're in a spirit of appeal, which is good, we need to appeal. We're to let our requests be made known to God. Amen? Amen. Absolutely. But there's also a time to decree. There's a time to declare. There's a time to, in the spirit, remember the Imago Day of God? What did God do? Who calls those things that be not as though they were? There There comes a point where you rise up and say, wait a minute. This is the word of God, the sword of the spirit. This is my weapon to wage the good warfare. And this word tells me that I can call those things that be not as though they were. Why? Because God did. And I'm created in his image. And some of y'all are looking at me like, that is bold. That is scary. It's not scary. This is fun. It's not heavy either. His yoke is easy. His burden is what? Help me. It's light. 
So this isn't like deep and heavy and, oh, i got to go into my war room prayer closet. This is like as I'm driving down the road and I see City Hall in town and I speak life over it. I speak blessing over it. I speak justice over everything. I speak prosperity over Main Street and over all of our, our retail merch. Why? Because I've been given authority to do so and so have you. Amen. And this is not for the pastor. That's right. Long before I did this stuff, I did this stuff, and long before I did that, I was just a guy sitting in the pew like anybody else going, you mean I get to do this? You mean I get to say this? You mean I get to believe this? Oh, I think God's looking for some believing believers. Wouldn't you agree? He's looking for somebody that would be audacious enough to take him at his word and say, yes, Lord. Lord, this, this is what your word says. Remember, the word works but you have to work the word. It is your weapon. It's called the sword of the spirit in Ephesians 6. Are you with me? Oh, guess what else? Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet. You do know, maybe you don't because you may feel this right now. You were never designed to live under your circumstances. Where are you seated? In Christ, at the right hand of the Father, right? Where are your circumstances? Under your feet. Back to Deuteronomy. You're the head and not the tail, above only not me. Do you start to see the continuity of the word? From the beginning, I mean, I'm talking table of contents to the concordance. It is consistent. And these themes run through the whole thing. And listen, when I'm having a bad day, listen, I ebb and flow just like anybody. I have my days where I wake up sucking my thumb and calling out for mommy. I'm just like you. I have a bad side of my bed, and sometimes I get out on it. And sometimes Nanette's like, go back to bed, start all over again, let's do a restart, reset. I mean, it just happens. But what I have to do when I catch myself, and the Holy Spirit is so good, and he loves me so much, he'll just say, stop it. There you go. Jimmy, stop. Shut up. The Lord talks to me in terms I understand. Shut up. Quit letting that junk come out of your mouth. Quit confessing defeat. Quit confessing despair. Quit confessing all this darkness and negativity. I've given you a weapon. And I've given you my word. I've given you my promises. And in me, all of them are yes and amen. So gird yourself up. Gird your loins, whatever that means. Still not sure what gird your loins means, but it sounds good. And put on the armor of God and rise up and become who you're called to be. Man, it doesn't take long. It used to take a long time for me to reorient. It doesn't anymore. I mean, the Lord Jesus loves me so much that he will jerk the slack out of my chain in a New York second. Listen to this. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things, even to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Number two, we're only going to do two today. I've got four, but I ran out of runway in the first service, so we're gonna, this will be a two-parter. Number two, Jesus secured our power and our authority. You know what Jesus did for you? Not only did he live his life, but he died the death you couldn't die. And he lived the life you couldn't live, but he did it in our place. He died the death we couldn't die. He lived the life we couldn't live, and he did it in our place. And because of that, we now get to live out of the resurrection, not out of the cross. The cross is behind us, family, not ahead of us. That's right. 
And I'm not saying the cross isn't significant. My goodness, it was the actual instrument, the tool that God used to get us to the resurrection. Oh, my gosh, thank you. Thank you for the cross. But listen, I don't live toward the cross. I live from it. And I live past and beyond the resurrection. So now I get to walk in resurrection life. Raised to walk in newness of life. Listen to this. Mark chapter 16. This is the other, other great commission. Here's the deal. I did something bad in seminary. I got to tell you, sometimes I was not always a nice student. I remember in seminary, and I was, God was teaching me so much. I was on fire even in seminary. Some say that might be a miracle. I was on fire. And, and I mean, I, I would sit at the back of the room and just... Could we just ignite everybody? Could we just throw gasoline on the room and set it on fire and then we go preach the gospel? I was a firebrand for God. And I remember one time we were, they kept talking about Matthew 28, the Great Commission. I call it the apostolic mandate. It's a missional mandate. We're mandated to go on mission. They were, and, and, but they never talked about Mark 16. And I got frustrated one day and I raised my hand from the back of the room. Poor Dr. Rose. He said, yes, yes, Jimmy. I said, um, are we ever going to talk about the other gospel that we never talk about, the other? He goes, what are you talking about? I said, you know, the one, the, the, the great omission is what I called it. That was, was that smart or what? That was just rude. The great omission, he goes, what are you talking about? I said, Mark 16. He goes, oh, well, you know, that's, that's bracketed in your NIV Bible because it may not have been in the earliest. And he went into this diatribe, and I was just sitting there going, I kind of like that one better than the other one. Could we talk about it? No, but here it is. And I'm preaching today, so I get to talk about it. Ready? Mark 16. Listen to me. This is so good. I want the worship team to go ahead and make your way back up. We're going to end with worship and a declaration. Mark 16, 14. Later, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. Remember, he's not just the lion. I mean, not just the lamb. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He rebuked their hardness of heart and their unbelief. Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. You remember Mary? Remember they ran from the tomb? And then they knocked the door. Jesus, he's alive. And they just like slammed the door on him. I mean, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Or maybe they've seen a ghost. And so he rebukes them for that. Verse 15. He said to them, and here it is. Here's the commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The commission. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Max Lucado said something this last maybe week and a half ago. He's doing these little short vignettes. I, I jury you to go look at them. They're great. They're on Facebook. And, and he just these little five-minute things. But he was talking about hell. And he made this comment, and it just went off in me like a bomb. He said, people are not sent to hell by God. They volunteer to go themselves. They volunteer. I'm like, is that not the truth? God didn't send anybody to hell. We volunteer. But anyway, he says, for those who do not believe, they will be condemned. In John 3, 17, he says they're condemned already because they don't believe. Verse 17. Now, this is the great omission I was talking about. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly... It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now listen, we get hung up on the specifics of what he's enumerating here, but we're talking about these kinds of things will happen. But here's the thing. Please listen to me. Please look. These things happen in the wake 
of somebody who is sold out to the kingdom. In other words, as you go, you leave a wake behind you, and in that wake, stuff's happening. Half of it you won't even know about. Because it won't be you doing it. It'll be the Lord confirming what you're doing with signs and wonders. But it won't be because you're going back and looking at them. See, here's the thing. We get caught up and we get the cart in front of the horse. The horse in front of the cart is you go and you do what he told you to do. You preach the gospel. You love people. You, you encourage them. You share your story. You share your, your two-minute miracle, your life, how you came to Jesus. And in your wake, stuff's happening that you don't even know about. Right. You know, how, how boring would it be and how awkward and painful, frankly, would it be to drive a boat and constantly look at the wake? Wow, look at that wake. It's huge. I mean, you're going to end up running into somebody else or hitting a dock or running up on shore because you don't drive a boat that way and you don't do the kingdom that way. The problem is, is when we get the cart in front of the horse and we start chasing signs, yeah. miracles, and wonders. Oh, it's happening over there. Let's go get in the river. Well, instead of going and trying to find a revival, why don't you just be the revival you long to see? Literally just say, Lord, here am I. Send me, use me, whatever, whenever, wherever. The three W's. Lord, pour gasoline on me, light me on fire. They'll come and watch me burn. Harkens to some of the great revivals. But they weren't chasing stuff. And where we get things out of order is when we get ourselves into all kinds of mess. I don't, frankly, I'm not going to worry about what's happening back there. What I hope is happening back there is fruit. And I hope there are orchards and vineyards that I know not of. And maybe someday in heaven God will go, Hey, did you remember that young kid who worked at Kroger's in Brownwood that you led to Jesus that night at a Disciple Now weekend? That kid became a preacher and led thousands to Jesus. Did you know that? And I'll go, I had no idea. Can you imagine the fruit and the crowns <laughs> that are going to be distributed? And we're going to be going, I had no idea that I did that. And he'll go, well, you didn't. <laughs> I did it. You were just the instrument. You were just the planter. You, just, you, were the, you were the John Deere 4430 with the planter box that just deposited the seed. And you just kept going, which is what you're supposed to do. There you go. We get into trouble when we stop. And then go back and, oh my gosh, this, is, this must be revival. So we're going to go back and we're going to try to replicate it every time we're together. In fact, we're going to build a movement out of this. We're going to erect, give me some Ebenezer stones. I need to build a monument to this moment. That is not what God has called us to do. He says, these signs will follow those who believe. Don't get hung up on the signs. Just keep moving. And you'll be on safe territory. Lord Jesus, may we burn with the gospel, burn with a passion for the kingdom, burn with a passion for you. May we want you, Father, more than ministry, more than our ministry, more than our pet agenda, our theme, our desire, our will. May we want you more than any of these things. I pray for my friends here this morning that we would be of those who are not looking back, not watching the wake, but her pedal of the metal forward, laking out and living out the life and light of Jesus. We will be salt and light to a world that right now needs to see some people standing, not cowering to the culture. 
Lord, where are the Shadrach, the Meshachs, and the Abednegoes? Where are the ones who will stand when the whole culture bows to Nebuchadnezzar, bows to the idols? God, may we be found just standing. Family, look at me just for a minute. You don't even have to stand up. Just keep standing. He's not even asking you to stand up. Just stand. Just stand. Just don't bow to the idols that the culture is bowing to right now. We could enumerate them. We already know what they are. And will you bow to that or will you just stand? Don't even stand up. Just stay standing. That's really all he's asking from us. Would you stand with me right now? Let's stand together and let's go out with worship. Let's go out. And there's a declaration in this song and the mentality and the attitude is this. Yes, I will. I will. I will. So I want you to sing this, but pray this as you sing this today, that we will and just be of those who will. Amen? Amen. Let's do it. Jesus, I choose to praise the 
Blessing, you're dismissed. Yes, I will. God bless you.